everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. We're going to talk about really the Super Bowl of life. We're going to talk about relationships because people have been asking us, okay, you know, you and Lisa talked about different principles and things regarding friendship, regarding romance, regarding marriage, regarding parenting. How do you apply this stuff? What's the real and the raw? So we decided to open up Pandora's box to run to social media and answer questions, Lisa, that people have about relationships, and we have put a one-minute time limit on our answers. Yes, we have, and it's important to ask questions. It's important to ask questions because there are people out there who have answers. First of all, we look to the Bible, to God's Word, and to the, His truth That's it. about you know, what we should do in life, how we should navigate relationships, but it's important that we also study and ask other people, maybe someone who's older, who's gone through certain things that we haven't, but especially those who are doing life the way God wants them to do. So don't shy away from asking questions. Most of us are just one question away from a breakthrough in our relationships. Okay, I'll do the asking. She's an amazing answerer. Oh, that's not fair. That's true. Number one, from Twitter, from Twitter, one of the most important things I should be doing as a single person as I prepare for my future spouse. I think you should answer that. You wrote a book called Rating Your Dating While I did, Waiting for I Mating, did. so surely you can answer that one. I wrote a book while, called Rating Your Dating While Waiting for Mating. As a single, you need to concern yourself with being the kind of follower of Christ that the Lord wants you to become. Obviously, he's giving these desires. Make sure to involve yourself, commit to the church. Usually, when you get involved in the church, as you're serving, you look to the right, you look to the left, and you'll see somebody who's hot, hot for God, and hot, and you'll get married. That's good. What say you? We've got 20 seconds. I'd say amen, brother. (laughs) Amen. All right, number two. Isn't this fun? From Facebook. How can you have a successful second marriage as you merge your families with your spouse, but your ex-spouse is bashing you to your kids, Lisa. The key is communication. Try to communicate clearly with the um, ex-spouses to Mm -hmm. get on the same page and use positive words with direction in mind. In other words, have a goal of what you're trying to achieve in your conversations. Now, if you hit a brick wall with that, you need to um, address the situation with your children in an age-appropriate way to not do what that spouse or ex-spouse who's bashing is doing, but to rise above that and to use God's way, which would be to speak the truth in love and to encourage one another. Excellent. Number three. What do you do when you need more romance and spice in your marriage, but your partner isn't very romantic? Okay, so everybody goes through lulls in their romance, but you gotta remember um, what lit the fire in the beginning, okay? Um, Think of those things that each other enjoys and bring those back. But again, it goes back to communication. It goes back to conversation. 
the other night, Ed and I were going on a date, and he had mentioned it to me um, the day before and said, hey, tomorrow night we're going out on a date. Well, the morning came the next day, and I said, hey, I was looking online, and I saw this really cool play about marriage, and I don't know a lot about it, but I'm going to try to find out. Wouldn't that be cool to go on a date to a play? And his response was, a play? (laughs) And it was... I should have said, a play? Oh, boy! (laughs) Okay, let's go to the next one. (laughs) Anyway... We had a conversation about, you know, spicing up the date night, doing something different, and Ed did a great job. Actually, the play ended up being sold out, so hello. <clears throat> <laughs> and, um, and so you chose a, a I chose a Thai restaurant. restaurant. I, I, we, we love Thai food. Anybody like Thai food? Love it. Well, I thought this was kind of romantic a little bit, so, so we, we, we called, and you're not supposed to get reservations for this Thai restaurant. But they told us to call ahead 30 minutes in advance, et cetera. So we drive up, and we see this restaurant, and Lisa thinks we're going to it, but I see another one. And I'm a guy that likes to change a lot. I I change. If it ain't broke, break it. And this is probably, it's okay, but it can sometimes lead to craziness. So I thought, Lisa, let's try this restaurant right by it. Let's just, what do you say? She goes, okay. So we walked in. And boom, we got a table, sat down, awesome. and absolutely it was awesome. Loved it. So, but, but talk because all of us tend to get in a rut. We tend to get in the you know. Well, if you're not, let me if you're not creative in your marriage, you'll end up being creative in an extracurricular relationship. If you know what I'm talking about, so don't waste your creativity in an illicit relationship. Make sure to create. That's romance within your home. So date night, mate night, guys. We thought it up back in the day. Remember when we dressed cool and smelled good and all that? We would take the lead. We would call. We would set it up. Well, let's just do the same thing because what you use together is what you use to keep her. From Facebook again. What practical things can I do to provide boundaries for my teenager in their dating relationships? Practical. Practical. Monitor the space. Uh, Encourage your teenagers to go on dates. You know, they go to restaurants, go out with friends, and then make your home the place where they enjoy coming back to. And keep the space public. We would not allow in our home for um, a boy to be in our daughter's rooms. Uh, no. You know, that was just Heck an off-limit no. off place. Um, we also monitor the technology with how they would, you know, engage in technology with the opposite sex. There's, it's just being intentional. It goes back to our, sh- our, our sales on the relationship. Be intentional. Ask questions. You are the parent this is your time to engage in conversation with your and kids. And to lead, to lead in that. Yes, to lead. And the, the book I've written, Writing Your Dating While Waiting for Mating. <laughs> Just buy the book. But, no, <laughs> don't, don't. You don't have to buy the book. I'm, I'm kidding. Okay. I, do, though, I do, though, talk about, well, we might want to get to this later, but let me just say it now. I do talk about the different gears yep. of physical contact. People ask us all the time. In fact, we're 
going in a couple of days to Atlanta to do a relationship conference. And I guarantee it before we go, and there's going to be a bunch of people there, they'll ask this question, how far is too far? We're single, how far is too far? We're in students, how far is too far? Obviously, the Bible says we should not have sexual intercourse prior to marriage. And Lisa and I say it this way. Think about that person that you're going to marry. How experienced sexually would you like them? I think you... Yeah, so in other yeah. words, you want to protect you want to yourself protect. as you would want your spouse or your future spouse mm -hmm. to be protected. The Bible says to flee sexual immorality, and without getting into a, a Koine Greek lesson, the scripture talks about different stages of involvement, and we know that. There's the kissing and caressing stage. That's, that's good, gear one. Gear two, it can move to actually touching the body parts, the genitals, etc., the breast with the clothes, then it can go into oral sex, other things, mutual masturbation. Then, of course, sexual intercourse. What, some are going, oh my goodness, you said those words. This is the best place to hear those words next to the home. If you've got a problem with that, your head is in the sands of denial. Here's what the Bible says. So, we should stop gear one. That's kissing, hugging, the caressing. Now, it's, it's, it's very difficult. It's not easy. It's, it's great to talk about it here to, to, to keep it in first gear. But, Lisa, God can give us the ability and the strength because he says not no when it comes to sex, but wait. Because if you get the cart before the horse, sex is so powerful. You're in lust, not in love, and you don't concentrate on the things that will keep your marriage hot after the wedding runner, all you're thinking about is eros, erotic love, as opposed to the, to the true, for the true agape, others-centered love, which marriages are built upon. I'm not saying that, that, that sex is not important. Sex is major. We've written a book, Sex Experiment, on it. Sex is great, but it has to be practiced within the conf... That's funny. Within the <laughs> confines... Of marriage. Another question we received in one of our other services is the S question, the submission question. What does submission look like in marriage? I thought everybody was equal. We're equal in form, different in function. Say that again. Equal in form, different in function. And anything with two heads is considered a monster. So someone has to take the lead. And the Bible it speaks clearly, and I know there's a lot of people who are not going to want me to say this, but Ed is the head of our home. He's the leader. The husband is intended to be the leader of the home, and I'm not going to apologize for that because God's way works. Now, do I have a major say, and do I lead in our relationship? Stop it. Yes. Yes. The secret, one of the secrets to a great marriage is the ability to get under the authority of God and one another. Oh, this is huge. Even though another. we have seven seconds, keep going. I don't and care. And one another. Don't, don't, please don't do that thing. The, the, and yeah, we're not. we have to be able to get under the authority to have conversations. Where Ed is strong, I get under that authority. Where he, he sometimes will defer to me yes. because he knows that I have strength in a certain area. 
But for both of us to be bullheaded and try to lead, we would not go anywhere. So, so in areas where you're strong, I defer right, your leadership. Right. Areas where I'm strong, you defer to my leadership. However, the final say-so, it's responsibility of being a husband, the house band is put on the father, is put on the husband's shoulders. Yes. And that's a heavy mantle to carry. Yet the Bible says, submit yourselves to Jesus, submit yourselves to one another. We understand all that. We're talking about we're equal in form, unique in function. And we're referencing Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Yes, it's beautiful. And when you read- It's a beautiful thing. The, it's, it's beautiful and it works. And the other part to that is husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Jesus love the church? Sacrificially, selflessly. So when husbands are doing that, it's going to be a natural flow for us to get under the authority. I love how these questions come out of nowhere because we're not like handling friendship and then parenting. They, yeah. they just kind of merge. Here's a good one too. What are the important keys to parenting a two-year-old versus a 12-year-old? I like that. That came from Twitter. Yeah. You want me to no, go? No, you. Okay, two-year-old, discipline begins from the moment you bring your, when the moment the child enters into the world. Say um, that again. That, that's a major, discipline major Discipline and line. correction is for direction. Remember that correction is for, for direction. direction. That is why parents have a game plan. Unite and have a game plan. Set your boundaries and follow through. But it begins from the time the child is born. They're learning about sleep habits. They're learning about schedule. They're learning about um, parameters of the marriage coming first. All of those different things weigh into the discipline portion. There's a lot of there are a lot of similarities between disciplining a two-year-old and a 12-year-old. The great thing about the 12-year-old, they have more toys that you can take away. And that is a great- And that's why I encourage, Lise, let me interrupt you for a second, parents to buy their kids the most expensive technology on the market because you'll have it most of the time. Here's another question, Lisa. If you're married, can you have a close friend who is a member of the opposite sex? No. Go on. Okay. No. No. Heck no. to the no. No. Nope. Nope. No. Nope. Because if you're thinking, oh, it would never happen to me. I That's... would never have an affair. You have just stepped on the platform of the most likely exactly. person that it will happen to. Don't ever take for granted that you're not immune to having an extramarital affair. Um, make sure. So having... A close friend of the opposite sex is just not wise unless it's you as a couple and the, like if it's a woman, your wife is the one that initiates conversation mm -hmm. and stuff, not male to female, female to male. Yeah, and, and we have acquaintances and we know people who are friends of the opposite sex, Lisa, but it cannot get into any emotional conversation. Yes. You must keep the conversation above board. The moment you start sharing about, I feel this way, or my marriage, watch out. Here's, here's another one. We had several of these questions, Lisa, that, that I'm just going to uh, uh, paraphrase. Infertility. Okay, so many couples, and I, I did a teaching on infertility 
You can pick it up. It should be at our resource center several years ago. I did several messages just on that. That is one of the most difficult things ever. And let me tell you what not to say. You are stupid if you say this. Don't ever say to a couple, hey, when are you gonna, when are you, when are you gonna have a kid? That is stupid with a capital S. They might be trying, they might be going through infertility. Don't say that. Are you with me? That's also, stupid. Also, don't say if you know that somebody is trying, oh, yeah. just oh, relax. Take a vacation, go just to Fiji. Just relax and take a vacation. Yeah, go on a cruise. <laughs> you know how Ed and I know this? Stupid. You know how we know this? Because we've been through infertility. Yes. We know. Now, we were an unusual case, secondary infertility. Right. We had our oldest daughter, Lee Beth, and then had a very difficult time conceiving again. And it's a tough thing, but let me give you a word to parents, those who would desire to have a child, but it's right. just not happening. Flourish in the stage that God has put you in. Don't let the not have dictate what you do have. Don't let what you ought to write a book on this. That's brilliant, Lisa. Dictate That's what brilliant. you do have. God has given you certain things, yeah. and I, I, I equate it to one time when I, um, I had just gotten my nails done, and the polish peeled off of one nail, and I had nine good ones, but that one was driving <laughs> me nuts. And too often, that's how we are in life. We don't see the nine great things that are going on in our life because of the one thing that's really heavy on our heart. And also, let that time be a time of growth for you. Whenever we're going through pain or difficulty, look at the growth side of it. And prayerfully, God will lead you, whether it's through um, some of the great medical breakthroughs, um, adoption, though it's not for everyone, it is an option. God will see you through. And let me, let me, here's the question. I remember it. I remember it. I can't find it. Story of my life. Okay. I, you start dating, you meet that special someone, and you isolate yourself. You just see them every night, and your friends are like, what's up? And all of a sudden, you're in your own little world here, and that's great. You got, I understand you want to be with the person, but, but how about... What are the boundaries? So when you first meet someone and you think, oh, this is someone I really like, and maybe you get asked out on a date, or you've done the asking and you go out on a date, be careful not to rush in where all of a sudden every night you're on the phone, every night you're going somewhere, every night you're checking in. You've got to, it's easier to take baby steps mm -hmm. than to take giant leaps backward. So make sure that you set boundaries for those first beginning stages of dating so that Others can weigh in. You can ask questions. Exactly. The parents, the friends can all say, hey, tell us about this. Tell us about that. And you don't want to go in and rush too fast. Here's, here's another question, honey. From Facebook, we've suffered the loss of a miscarriage. How can I best support my wife as we deal with the grief? Again, Ed and I have gone through miscarriage before. Uh, I would say for me, I owned it a lot more than he did. Not... It, it was an unconscious thing. I don't think he understood. We were, you know, very newly married. And I don't believe you felt the grief that I felt. But it is a painful, difficult thing. And our 
we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Bible says that God formed the infant in the womb. He knew them even before he was formed in the womb. And so a miscarriage is a child. It's a child. That's right. And the grief is the grief is there. And with any loss, you celebrate that you will reunite with that child again. But there is grief. And I think just with anything, it's compassion. It's saying, I understand. I'm here for you. And you don't always have to have the right words. We're, we're, sometimes we should be speechless because we just yeah, don't just have to the right You just be there. Just be there. As a friend, just be available. Just be there. Okay. My husband and I are always at odds over our finances. We never seem to have enough, and the strain is hurting our marriage. What should we do? I know finances and just the whole realm of of the money monster is one of the biggest causes of marital mayhem out there. I know that. As we discussed in this series, when you become one flesh, there's also this oneness economically as well. I think there needs to be agreement upon purchases. We offer some great courses and classes here at Fellowship Church about managing your money. Lisa and I, since we've been married for the most part, have tried to live by the 10-10-80 principle, the first 10, and we give more than this to fellowship, but the minimum requirement, 10% is brought to the house. Why do I say bring? We don't own it. The other 10% is saved, investment, whatever, retirement, real estate, whatever you want to do, awesome. And then the other 80 is what you live on and, and what you spend. That's how we encourage people to, to handle their finances. But I think the problem is, Lisa, normally when you get married, one's a spender, one's a saver, and then I've got my money, you've got your money, and then you've got some, some mayhem. That's right. Okay. I like this one. Okay. I have a relationship with Christ, but my husband doesn't. What should I do? Whew. That's tough. Mm-hmm. It's so important that, especially if you're dating, that you think about the spiritual aspect. We were asked a question in another session about age difference. You know, what would you say to someone who's dating or married to someone, there's a a great disparage in age. You know what's bigger than an age gap? A spiritual gap. Oh, yeah. That's huge. So it's more about compatibility and spiritual compatibility is the Mm -hmm. key than anything else. So it is a difficult thing when you're dealing with that. But I would tell that that wife, or if it's the husband, be such a light in who you are before God that that light will just penetrate and permeate every aspect of your marriage. And prayerfully, they will come Mm -hmm. to know Christ. Now, the thing is, don't bolt. Don't bolt. Stick with it and be the light. And pray. pray. When it comes to the age difference too, I don't think there's like an age, like, okay, it can't be more than 10 years, 15 years difference. But I will say this, and Lisa and I have a number of friends where there is a a big age difference. I think it takes a huge amount of unselfishness Mm -hmm. to enter their world, their culture. And there's a lot of issues that are on the table that would not be on the table as, as obvious if you were closer to the same age. But we have seen it work, and it is working, you know, in Again, many different Again, spiritual compatibility yeah, is the most important It's all about that, thing. and there has to be great um, submission and, and et cetera. So anyway, 
questions. That's questions. It. Yeah, we ask have, the right people, more. Lisa, the right questions to get the right answer. But so often, we ask the right people the right questions, but we don't really do what they say. We don't take their answers and live them out. And that's the frustrating part. I know I've messed up in that area, so have you. I pray, though, we can take all of the questions that are mentioned in Scripture, over 2,000. We know God has an answer. God is using us and He's using you to speak words of truth. We're looking back in the past, the present, also the future. And we're trying to help you as we help ourselves become the kind of relational creatures that the Lord desires. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.